Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome, weary traveller, to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And today we've got a very special episode where we strip. Now, what do they say in that film? I would be such a bad Morpheus. <laughs> go out, do, do send you out. I've got a real good speech going on. Anyway, I'll start again. Welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And today we are entering the Matrix and all its ancillary materials. Um, thank you for joining us. On as usual, we've got with us Rory. Hello, Rory. Hello. And in order to see just how deep the rabbit hole goes, we needed someone else to join us, and we are joined today by um, Edwin Davis from the Shot Reverse Shot podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to see, as you say, how far the rabbit hole goes. I mean, do you think we should um, immediately uh, get rid of our names from the real world and <laughs> adopt our, ma- our 90s uh, net handles? Um, <laughs> I, was, I was mishap, I think I was for a time. Uh, Machine Gun Joe from Death Race 2000. <laughs> what, do you have a, a net handle, Ed, that you were uh, that is like as wicked cool as, and also hopefully flavored with mythological characteristics as they are in the Matrix? I do, I do have one. It's not particularly mythical, unfortunately, uh, which is a reference to the first Perfect Dark game, <laughs> um, which uh, I thought was would disqualify me when I got a job at Rare because it just seemed like such a total nerd thing to do and that they wouldn't <laughs> want to hire someone who cares about their games that much. Um, but fortunately, uh, they overlooked that and said, yeah, let's let's give this guy a shot. <laughs> yeah, because you've got some background in the games industry, which will, as well as hosting uh, a podcast, which is, uh, you know, all about film and television and media and stuff, but you've got some mm. games industry background, which will help us maybe <laughs> a little bit on the way. Yeah, I mean, certainly when we get to Resurrections, there are elements of the first part of that movie which rang true to me of some of the various meetings I've sat in over the years. <laughs> just lots of people sat around a table just kind of like throwing out things. Well, I think maybe we should at the start because we're going to try and do our best, you know, obviously with the recent release of The Matrix Resurrections, the sort of long-awaited return of The Matrix, um, mm. using that as a sort of jumping off point, but also to go all the way back to the original Matrix and the sort of spin-offs and how much though the, the original film and especially the original sequels became enmeshed and intertwined with other forms of media. So I don't know whether we should do spoiler warning from the start 
<laughs> to begin do with. you want to take the red pill or the blue pill listeners because <laughs> if you want to take the blue pill just shut off this podcast now and listen to i don't know wittertainment how did this get made i just a tr- i'm sure there's a true crime podcast with um your name on it <laughs> <laughs> uh well if you want to continue then take the red spoilery pill um but i think uh, orally Orally, please. <laughs> That's what Morpheus did not <laughs> explain. Okay. Bend over here. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining now the the shot of it going down Neo's mouth and all turning silver, but mm-hmm. from the other end, it uh, would have <laughs> yes. been a very very different response to that movie. Although that would it be a, a better Holland response? <laughs> <laughs> Even uh, more yeah. box office takings. But okay. um... so spoilers: the world isn't real. It's all a computer construct, and we're all batteries. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? What is happening to me? The answer is out there, Neo. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? They're watching you, Neo. Human beings are a disease. You are a cancer of this planet. And we are the cure. Welcome to the real world. So you're here to save the world. So what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy. Because Kansas is going bye-bye. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. Do you remember, did you have any idea when you went to see the Matrix for the first time, what it was going to be, what the Matrix was? I I did, but that's because I saw it on home video when, like, a year after, you know, whenever videos used to come out. So, yeah, probably would have been the summer of 2000. I remember having vague ideas because obviously everyone I was friends with had gone to see it. But I didn't know any of the specifics. I just knew that apparently it was very cool. And, <laughs> uh, it, it was. that that It lived up to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but I, I knew a lot of the general concepts going into it and i think that's a testament to how good the movie is that it still managed to really blow me away watching it on a a tiny you know 20 inch tv on video a year after everyone had already seen it and then thinking okay i need to watch this 500 times (laughs) 1999 was actually an incredible year for films of course that's the year Mm. like fight club came out i actually got this book a few years ago called i think uh 
best movie year ever how 1999 blew up the big screen by brian rafferty and yeah you've got um you've got fight club you've got sixth sense you've got i think three kings came out then mm. being john malkovich uh and of course i think the big coup was that in a, in a year where everyone was talking about star wars episode one the phantom menace the matrix kind of blew everything away i think it was a breath of fresh air really i mean looking back quite derivative of a few things but nothing nothing in western cinema really yeah. held a candle to it mm. it's hard to relay just you know how much of an impact it made to people nowadays perhaps but i was just trying to think of a sort of independent well not independent but just like an original uh, not based on anything previous m- movie, which made such a massive impact at the time and its legacy was like felt massively and the ripples from that so huge. I'm just trying to think of something, you know, parallel to that. And obviously, you know, you had Star Wars and, and, and that sort of thing. But I think the only thing I can think of, which, you know, is still sort of referenced or still has something to that was maybe like Blair Witch, which was also 1999. Mm -hmm. Mm. But I think, I mean, Fight Club, again, I know Fight Club is a very uh, interesting film because I think people take the wrong meaning from it sometimes. And and I think there was a real period when everyone thought Tyler Durden was as cool as fuck. And Mm, yeah, but I think that's permeated the culture now where, you know, when everyone, whether ever anyone says the first rule of something, you always (laughs) think, well, you know what the second rule is going to be? It's going to be a repetition of the first. Um, In fact, I think you were telling me before we started recording how you met Rory Ed on the spaced forum. And of course it's a classic line in one of the spaced episodes where we talk about robot club. And now the second rule of (laughs) robot club is, Oh, actually, no smoking. <laughs> so yeah, nineteen ninety nine seems to have a quite a far reach, doesn't but if it? You, yeah, and if you, if you're just referring back to space, like even the first episode of series two of that is mm-hmm. a Matrix parody where you have Mark Gatiss and Kevin Eldon trying to out agent each other um, mm. as uh, sort of agent copies, but. To your point, Rory, um, The Matrix really influenced pretty much everything for the next few years. I think mm. even before we got any Matrix video games or sequels, because it was quite some time before The Matrix Reloaded appeared. Um, I remember, I mean, it mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Perfect Dark. There was that multiplayer level in Perfect Dark, which had a uh, sort of a semi-recreation of the office building reception area i think the level is mm. called grid yeah. and of course that has a slow motion feature in perfect dark which um i think that coupled with max Payne, which you've talked about in another podcast episode yeah max Payne was the first thing i thought of as well in terms mm. of like what was the influence of the matrix on gaming was if you look at like the first trailer for max Payne, which came out in 1999 there's no bullet time in it. There's bits that are in slow motion because that's an action movie thing and it looks cool. Mm. But then, you know, reading up about it, they retooled that game in sort of the summer of 2000. And then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, you can do bullet time. Thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder where you got that idea. But <laughs> yeah, that's that definitely. And then obviously other games have played with that mechanic since. But that definitely felt like one of the most direct ways I could think of of 
how much other people were really influenced by what the Matrix was doing. It couldn't do anything but help, though, the sales of Max Payne. I mean, one of the mm. loves, one of the loves of my uh, run up to to the Matrix sequels, I think, was that film Equilibrium, Christian yeah. Bale Equilibrium, which. It's actually nothing like The Matrix, apart from the fact they wear <laughs> trench coats and do amazing, wicked cool gun carter martial arts. But I remember the poster saying something like, better than The Matrix. All these sort of, like, it's, it's, it's not better than The Matrix, but I love it all the same. Mm. And you had so many parodies as well. Oh, sure. I, I would say the sort of legacy of Matrix aping action cinema was fairly short-lived, but like the sort of legacy of parodies, even by the time that series two of space came out in like 2001, that's like only two years since the matrix. And already then it sort of felt a bit played out just because you had this huge, like uh, surplus of matrix parodies and, and takeoffs and just, you know, even like Shrek, has yeah. a bullet time <laughs> moment in it, like the sort of year after or so. And it's just, yeah, it, it just didn't stop. <laughs> like just any time was bullet time or, you know, someone being frozen in midair and the camera spinning around and continuing the action shot. It's just, um, it's, it's amazing that like in between the first Matrix film and its sequels that you know, the, the idea of the action in the Matrix had sort of run itself into the ground so, like, sort of hugely. Mm. Yeah, I remember when all the hype was starting up for the Matrix Reloaded. We didn't know it was called Reloaded at the time. But you just thought, well, what else were you going to do with bullet time? I imagine, like, Neo sitting on the toilet and the camera, like, swooping around him <laughs> as he empties his bowels. And that was me being quite immature. <laughs> but... um I think as the series went on, I think what the ge- what general audiences wanted from the Matrix wasn't quite what the creative forces behind the Matrix wanted to do themselves. Mm. And you know something which resurrections, I think, in a way, acts something as a sort of course correction of the legacy of of the matrix but just how you know when you talk about the impact yes you talk about the action and the visual style and the look and how it used those sort of elements of hong kong and chinese action cinema with the with the waifu and the choreography and then of course you have on top of that there's the philosophical side of things there's the you know moral questions and the ethical stuff which people got really really deep into and you can kind of see how particularly this whole notion of red pilling and how mm. that's been sort of adopted by groups that maybe don't quite see the sort of the original vision of the Wachowskis. And I just, um, I always revert back to that tweet. I think it was in May, 2020 and you have Elon Musk and he tweets, take the red pill with a little rose emoji and Ivanka Trump quote tweeted that with taken. And then there's just a reply from Lily Wachowski saying, fuck both of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't really want to keep dancing around this thing, but so where, where I stand like the magic resurrect matrix resurrections, because I, I heard of interest. You said that it was a course correction. 
I, I really enjoyed it, actually. And I've seen it twice. And I, but I think it's because I'm a bit masochistic and I really enjoyed Lana Wachowski trolling everyone. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think my, I saw it with a friend on the second viewing. I saw it with a friend and um, he was quite disappointed or a bit let down. He thought it was fine. But I think the philosophy in The Matrix 1 was like the cherry on top. It could have been just an action film, but it was, there's no doubt that the Wachowskis like know their philosophical crap. It's not, you know, we've talked about, uh, for some reason I'm thinking of the Resident Evil films where they sort of allude to Alice in Wonderland and sort of philosoph- philosophy, but it's, uh, it is, that is just window dressing, but the Wachowskis, they know their stuff and they probably put in as much as they could get away with in the matrix but then there's so much action that you've never seen the like before. And by the time we get to Matrix Resurrections, we've seen so much special effects. There's, there's nothing you can really do with special effects now. The limit is only imagination. And and Lana Wachowski completely doubles down on, on all the philosophy and stuff. And like I said, I would have liked the action to have been better. The action in the Matrix Resurrections is kind of shitty. But yeah. there's a bit of me which just really enjoyed the I don't give a fuck nature of it. And, um, and you know, it very much says there's that scene when Thomas Anderson is having a discussion with his corporate, with his boss. And the boss is saying, well, the Warner Brothers, they named it Warner mm-hmm. Brothers. And like it's like the second Warner Brothers film, like Space Jam, where they go through IPs <laughs> trying to strip mine it. But there's a scene when the CEO guy is saying, well, Warner Bros. will do it with me or without me. And that's, I'm sure, literally what happens. And so Lara's like, no, I'll do it. And I'll do it my way. For me, the, the way that I've described Resurrections to, to multiple people, particularly people who don't like the movie, I really enjoyed it, um, is that it's a movie that has like boundless love for its characters and boundless contempt for the machinations that is bringing them back to life. Mm. And I find that tension to be really fascinating like it's clear that neo and trinity mean a huge amount to lana wachowski and there's a great earnestness to it and she does a great job of turning what could be just a total cash grab and a total cynical thing into something that feels you know for the first half like a real evisceration of the sort of studio mindset that is you know this is a thing people know we need to make more of it instead of making an original thing that people might like um and then the back half is very much you know love conquering all and like a real earnest um uh expression of love for those characters and what they mean to her as someone who you know created those characters and i think sees a lot of her personal story lived out through them particularly in like resurrections itself like there's so many people have talked about like the the uh how trans metaphorical resurrections really is like even compared to the earlier movies to the extent that, like, it's barely a metaphor. <laughs> no, I, d- I definitely, I think it was when one of the Wachowskis had come out of trans, but the other one hadn't. Mm. I listened to a podcast, I forget the name, and I do believe, actually, one of the co-hosts turns out to be, we have we unfortunately mentioned this every episode, I think there's always, like, some toxic man somewhere in all these video games. Or Anyway, podcast co-hosted by a twat, <laughs> but... um. It was a very long and eye-opening podcast 
we're under the title the matrix is the queerest blockbuster ever made and like i sort of totally galaxy brained it because of course it is mm. and it's so funny when you present this to somebody who he didn't even think about it they go like no it's just you know people can read there is definitely a corner of the internet which wants to put queer stuff into literally everything but like you go down the rabbit hole like i was thinking of star trek and of course star trek was the or like origins of slash fiction because you had kirk slash spock um mm. but then i've recently read the novelization of star trek and the motion picture which is written by gene roddenberry it's very gay like they kind of <laughs> spock is like always reading kirk's mind and and they always talk about how that's only done by people who are more than just friends and uh, whatever <laughs> so gene's vision but um so yes you can put queer reading into almost anything it seems on twitter but you can't 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 deny that in the matrix because it's all about becoming the one becoming who mm. you truly are and agent smith forever calling him mr anderson and sort of yeah. effectively dead naming him and i think famously the fairly androgynous albino character switch on morpheus's crew was written as somebody who was going to be uh, one gender in the matrix and one gender in the real world so mm -hmm. their and um, their characters literally called switch so they would basically have their residual self-image would be who they truly are in the matrix i think wait a minute how does that <laughs> which if the real world oh well that's a bit confusing actually but um that's the matrix yeah. for you <laughs> that's the matrix for you and um i think just i think before we go back to i guess talking about the video games and the sequels and all that stuff yeah, I think it can't be denied that The Matrix Resurrection is is a Wachowski movie, because lest mm. we forget, uh, the Wachowski cinematic track record is a little, it's, it's an acquired taste, and I've not seen Sense8 yet, I love, I, uh, our, our brother Hamish loved it, he keeps telling me to watch it, and I think I watched the first, like, five minutes and it was one of the most intense five minutes i've ever watched i think daryl hannah was screaming or something <laughs> um but hey ho rory hates it but me i love um jupiter ascending <laughs> yeah I, got... I greatly enjoy jupiter ascending it's, it's completely nuts. nuts i have a very high tolerance for bad stuff doing a video game movie podcast but that was one <laughs> of those it's it's I, I didn't derive any pleasure from, you know, its excesses. There's a lot that I can enjoy of, like, excessive, you know, oh, they really, like, swung for the fences and they are really trying to, like, aim for something it doesn't quite come off. But I personally found it a bit boring. That was my main issue with the film. But I do not begrudge anyone from enjoying finding the pleasures in Jupiter Ascending that I clearly couldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that film is necessarily going to get a reevaluation, but Speed Racer very mm. much has. And I remember staggering out of Speed Racer. I think it was in the front row, like one of the first times I've ever seen like a digital screening of something. And I was just thinking that was really bold. It's going to make no money. Mm. <laughs> and I was right. It didn't. But I think now whenever you see people just rediscovering it, they're like, this is like they understood the assignment with Speed Racer. And um, so, yeah, Matrix Resurrections is, is very much a Wachowski movie, even though it's a, one one Wachowski down. I guess this is the mm. year where you have got the tragedy of Macbeth as well, directed by one Cohen brother, 
oh, Rory, what's going to happen to our podcast this year? It's going to be like, <laughs> this is Games of Film with me. And uh, hmm, didn't see the point of repeating himself. Um, It'll just be me just monologuing on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you could get Denzel in. Yeah. You know, that seems to work out. Get DW, Denzel Washington. So the Matrix, the Matrix rocks our 1999. I think mm. even with Star Wars, even with Austin Powers 2, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was the film of that year. And we waited with bait of breath for the sequels. And I remember running to the computer lab at university because we didn't have computers in our rooms. We had to go to our computer lab to slowly download the trailer for The Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> and then we watched it. And the special effects were kind of fake, but we were still hyped. And we spent the rest of the evening spinning around on our office chairs, pretending to do bullet time. Um, <laughs> and then all this other shit started coming out. Um, the Animatrix. And we could go, if you went to see the, the adaptation of Stephen King's, was it Dreamcatcher? Yeah, Dreamcatcher. You got to see the final flight of the Osiris. And. Again, marvel at the uncanny valleyness of it all. Now on DVD and video from the creators of the Matrix trilogy. I'm going back to the Matrix, and I want you to come with me. What is the Animatrix? You've stepped to the edge of the looking glass. Experience the extraordinary fusion of CG animation and Japanese anime. Come get some. In a groundbreaking collection of nine animated stories from seven visionary directors. We know the truth now. That takes the world of the Matrix to its unimaginable limits. Fly, baby, fly. Discover how deep the rabbit hole really goes. On the DVD and CD album. The one of the key influences on the Matrix and the Wachowskis have sort of said that very much before is with sort of anime and manga and obviously citing something like Ghost in the Shell, uh, especially in terms of um you know, some of the kind of cyberpunk aesthetics and some of the concepts about artificial intelligence, etc. So the the Animatrix was this sort of side project using a lot of the Japanese animation studios that they they loved and respected to create supplementary material to the Matrix. And this whole 2003 was the year of the Matrix in the sense that you had not only the two Matrix sequels, Reloaded and Revolutions, you had the Enter the Matrix game and you had the Animatrix and the whole way this sort of media blitz was promoted was like, you'll not get the full story. You will not understand what the Matrix is unless you play the video game, unless you watch the movies, unless you watch the Animatrix. And, you know, you didn't have to, but it made it seem like really essential. And I just remember it being this, particularly because like DVDs had just started becoming like popular. Oh yeah, there was like the Matrix 2 point. Wasn't there like a, there's a Matrix, Matrix Revisited. Revisited, that's the one. Yeah. Where it's like a big DVD special feature. And I was like, oh, why did I get this crappy original version of the Matrix on DVD? I wanted the better one. And <laughs> not watch that special feature discs like since 2003, I should, I should, I should think. 
but being like a Warner Brothers DVD as well, it was all in cardboard. You know, mm. for some reason, Warner Brothers released all their DVDs in like this sort of cardboard, which I'm sure is is better for the environment, but also like yeah. just flimsy in your shelf. But yeah, the 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 Animatrix was this um, big project, and I think you know, in some respects, some people liked it a lot more than the sequels. But um, you have, as you say, Final Flight of the Osiris, and that was created by Square Pictures, who yeah created Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. And I remember, and we talked about it on the Final Fantasy episode that we did, how they were sort of saying, oh, these digital actors, you know, we've created them now, so we'll put them in other stuff. So the main character in Final Fantasy, Dr. Aki Ross, was like, she's going to be the star of Final Flight of the Osiris. And in the end, it's not her. But they clearly... I think I think they used her, though, in a, in a proof of concept where she fought hmm. a sentinel. So that was the last time... That's the last thing we saw Dr. Aki Ross in. Maybe she'll show up in tonight's The Masked Singer, which is the final. <laughs> She's like, lifts off her head and there's like, oh, what the hell is that? From Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, Dr. Aki Ross. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, yeah. Now I see oh, it. Oh, God. I was like, so again, I was like mega hyped for, I think I saw The Matrix Reloaded and then we, because I was at university at the time, and then I'd, we traveled home and I think Channel 5 was having a special Matrix night. And I think that was the only way you could see Final Flight of the Osiris without going to see the Stephen King movie. And mm-hmm. I remember I was watching this. I was like, nose was pressed against the screen. I was still kind of trying to deal with if I liked even the Matrix Reloaded. So I think I was, it was the final vestiges of like hope. And, and then somebody started talking behind me because it was a big TV room. And they were talking about like the Matrix. And I was like, I turned around. I was like, shh. I was like really aggressive. <laughs> I was like, "Shut up! I need to watch the final fight of the Cyrus." <laughs> um, yeah, because um, again, the internet where at my uni wasn't so great. It took forever to download those and the Matrix episodes. Never, like, never did I get a DVD so quickly because um, that was the best way to watch those episodes. But as you say, some were great, some not so great. <laughs> yeah, the. The one about the the kids who are discovering that they have powers within the Matrix and they're kind of like um, learning how to like levitate and things like that. I when I rewatched them last year, that was the one that really stood out to me. I had no memory of it from when I watched it the mm. first time in two thousand three, but uh, watching it now, I was like, oh, that's like a really cool, grounded bit of storytelling that uses the idea of the Matrix really well and it draws these characters in a way that feels really complete and it has that's one of the few that has the least to do with anything in the movies but it that feels like the most successful use of the project that some of the ones that tie directly into the movie conversely feel like the ones that feel the least essential yes although the one that introduces who the kid is at least makes you understand who the hell this guy is who's like following neo around throughout the whole second movie and is just really like hero worshiping him because when he shows up in the movie it's like who are you why why do we care about you (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I, I re-watched The Matrix 2 and 3 uh, last year in December, kind of prepping mm. myself for Resurrections. And I think this re- Reloaded holds up a lot better than you remember. Um, and again, kind of knowing it now as a Wachowski movie rather than the Matrix sequel, it works quite well. Um, but 
it's it, it is kind of baffling when resurrections happens and i only i bring that up now because that's almost exclusively about the secondary characters i think most of the characters get really relegated and and i think rather than doing what they do in the star wars films where you have three concurrently running plots you have like a whole zion section and then a whole Nebuchadnezzar, it's not Nebuchadnezzar in that third one. What's um, what's Jada Pinkett Smith's oh. ship called? Uh, yeah, I forget what. Yeah, the, who cares? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a re- it's a really weirdly segmented film, and it is that is a lot more mindless action. And again, I think at the time, I, I do think I've grown as a human being. I think at the time, I was just really let down by just the ending and that very much like that's it mm, but mm-hmm. um it's but like watching it now i was like that's kind of a sweet ending where like they it's about it's not about the cycle of violence it's about it's about peace sort mm. of <laughs> i i remember going to see uh reloaded and really enjoying it thinking the action was great and genuinely really liking the architect stuff because I was a pretentious little twat <laughs> <laughs> who just liked all the big words and thinking, ah, I understand what he's talking about, I guess. I get like 80% of it. That seems enough. Um, but my main memory of it is going to school the next day or you know, at the end of the, the weekend and going to school and then talking to my friends about it. And us all really hyping ourselves up about how much we liked the idea of what the third one was going to be. Because mm-hmm. like when Neo holds his hand up and he freezes the, you know, he zaps all the Sentinels, we were all like, so they're in another Matrix. It's just yes. Matrices on Matrices on Matrices and just kind of coming up in an idea of our head of what the third movie was going to be. Throughout the fourth film, I was like, are we going to reveal that is the Vena Matrix all along now? <laughs> and... the real long game but i i think yeah the the general mood for like um 2003 and the response to the sequels was was like muted uh, at best and sort of vitriolic at worst and yeah i i think you know with the passage of time and obviously you know with through the framework of the resurrections it's obviously one of those things which much like the star wars prequels has come to some sort of degree of reevaluation and appreciation and i think yes once you put it in the context of the wachowskis and their own personal journey as well as you know their subsequent filmmaking i think people have been maybe more kind to those films um since and as you say see them more as like well this is the Wachowski's vision this isn't like a sequel to a big action blockbuster with all kinds of like philosophical stuff it's like very much in keeping with their filmography and their ideas and interests um as much as anything and yeah it's very much a case of like them taking the big bucks it's like oh wow Matrix most successful sort of profit making film ever or whatever just like go for it. It's just like, oh yeah, we'll take your money, but you won't see what we're going to do with it. I mean, I think there's a bit of a prelude to what the internet and what fandom is like now, because I think perhaps for a few years, people had sort of become the Matrix. You know, it was, it was, it was their identity. And mm-hmm. when what they thought the Matrix was, which is Wicked Call Action and Leather, um, <laughs> wasn't quite what the Wachowskis were interested in then 
they can flip their lid. No, anyway. That's you know, right. these fans say, you know, the movie is a little bizarre. There are some deep plot lines, but the Matrix fans say it's going to be great. Some people who saw Sneak Peek said, Sneak Peek said they loved it. And really, we had a little fun with this tonight. The Matrix Reloaded promises out-of-this-world special effects. And after anxiously awaiting the sequel, some Atlanta fans are a little out-of-this-world. Nigel, a runner. Null pointer, runner. Stevens, agent. Simon, a runner. Freeman, 713. I am a sentinel. I definitely remember seeing The Matrix Revolutions and next to me there was like a teenager and his two parents and he was like in kind of like a leather trench coat and i don't know whether mm. his parents had seen like the matrix movies or whatever but i just sort of like feel the them trying to understand their son's new interest mm-hmm. <laughs> and him also facing the kind of like maybe disappointment of where this franchise that he's now identified himself with was going but did did the video games then since we're talking about these sequels as it was so the reason we're kind of here is to discuss the matrix video games in a way because as as you said you gotta see you gotta play the games to get the whole story do you think that's true it's kind of true in the same way that the animatrix it's kind of true that various things get um fleshed out like and this is mostly true of enter the matrix um the subsequent games are really just about kind of continuing the story more than anything else but definitely venture the matrix it fleshes out the characters of ghost and niobe a lot more it it explains sort of what they're doing for a lot of the plot of of uh reloaded because i think in Reloaded, they're introduced as big characters and then they kind of flit in and out of the narrative. And then in the third one, they're much more important. But it still always feels as if the movie expects you to be a little more familiar with who they are than they actually are. And then playing Enter the Matrix, a lot of more of that stuff gets filled in, but also not to the extent that it feels essential. Like, you get to see both of those actors. You get to see uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Anthony Brandon one kiss Monica Bellucci, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> but other than other than that, it doesn't feel as if there's a huge amount of really essential stuff. And also, undergirding all of that is like the game is really bad to play. <laughs> so yeah, that's, the big, that's the big problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. It's um. I think I read a review saying there's just never had they played a game which felt so rushed. And mm-hmm. again. It seems to be a bit ahead of its time because I feel that what the Matrix was trying to do in 2003 is like what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing today and everything yeah. is kind of connected and there's no... I was going to say there's no way for that game to not be released on time, but maybe it would have been better if it waited a year? Because I think as, we, as the three of us are quite familiar with the Enter the Matrix game, I, I certainly played it. I've not played it since then. I think Rory's played it more recently. Um, I find... Whenever I see ghosts, or whenever there's a, there's a shot in the Matrix Reloaded, when like Jada Pinkett Smith is told to blow up a power power station, mm-hmm. and you see that the power station exploding in the film, and my mind can't help but think, oh yeah, I remember hours upon hours of running around corridors, stopping 
engaging in some supposedly motion-capped kung fu really badly. Mm-hmm. Again, that's mm-hmm. the problem. Like, what makes the Matrix martial arts so good is just how much it flows, but so stop-starty. And then, yeah, that all that all runs through my mind in a split second. We see that power station blow up. You know, I also think about them having their weird run cycles where they're really swinging their arms and just mm. imagining that T one thousanding it. Yeah, every time they're not on screen, they're just running from room to room, being like, "Got to get there quick." <laughs> just may my abiding memory, but just I, I I've been replaying it a little bit in anticipation. And my abiding memory was like they were talking about, I think, and maybe some trailers or stuff. It's like, oh, we mo-capped all the actors. And so like mm. these are their actual moments and their movements. But then it does mean that, you know, when they're running, they're doing like Tom Cruise blade arms. And yeah. I always remember them like scrambling over chain link fences. But clearly they weren't being mo-capped scrambling over chain link fences. So the end result is them just like their arms like sort of flailing, like looking like they're trying to climb something. <laughs> There's maybe like for every moment that you do something quite cool and smooth and, you know, you'll manage to do like a really cool running up a wall and kicking a policeman in the head sort of maneuver. But for every moment that you pull something off like that, there's at least a dozen where your legs are just going in all kinds of directions and you're Mm. just looking like a complete idiot. I was just going to say, I think it's a game which would genuinely benefit from a remaster because the the idea of threading... I think what I was trying to say a moment ago, I think if you've never played the games, those scenes I mentioned in the films aren't quite as distracting. But because we know there's all this ancillary material, you can't help but your eyes are just drawn to Ghost, who's like a non, you know, he's a non complete non-character. He's like a background extra in the Matrix sequels. I think he's got that like one line. And then I watched the opening video of the Into the Matrix and Ghost says more dialogue than he says throughout the whole two other films and it just made my mm. nose bleed it's like whoa because you choose who you play don't you and he was my player character yeah. so i was like i was really disappointed when ghost had fuck all to do in the matrix <laughs> resurrections uh not even resurrections uh reloaded that's the one like the matrix i guess plays because of it has this virtual role world idea it plays with elements of gaming iconography i think like the fact that they sort of enter the world through like telephones and things it's almost like save points or something um yeah and i think there's you know obviously they go by their hacker names but that's kind of like your sort of gamer tags and and that sort of stuff and even like the idea of in this virtual world you can kind of do a bit what you like and bend physics to your whim while everyone else is sort of like you know, an NPC to a certain extent. I mean, the first Matrix film, it's a, it's like there's training levels and then the last mm. third of the Matrix is rescuing the princess, a.k.a. Morpheus, and then just increasingly difficult bosses in a variety of stages. And the whole thing of Neo, like, perfectly blocking all of Smith's attacks. Like, I re-watching that now, I just always think of, like, yeah, I recently played through Metroid Dread and all of those bosses in that game, they're all about pattern recognition. Mm. So the first time you die instantly, pretty much, but then by the end of it, you're just getting through about being hit. And that's exactly what that moment feels like to me is when you've figured out how to beat a boss perfectly, that you just absolutely destroy it. And that that moment in The Matrix captures that feeling, I think, better than pretty much any other media <laughs> that uh, <laughs> has ever attempted. Not that many have tried, but, you know. 
Yeah. And even just like the idea of like agents like feel like enemies respawning and, and all that kind of stuff. But I just I kind of mm-hmm. wondered like mm-hmm. with the Wachowskis obviously being so heavily involved with um Enter the Matrix and they filmed I think sort of an hour of additional cutscenes um with that and again part of the media in one of the cutscenes, I think once you finish the first level and enter the matrix, the characters are all watching a video of Final Flight of the Osiris. Mm. Because they're watching the report that comes in from the uh, captain of the Osiris. So it's even more like layers of media connection and all part of this grand story. But I do wonder like how much they are gamers themselves. I mean, they must be to an extent to be so sort of heavily involved with that i mean skipping ahead a bit to the game i've not played the matrix path of neo um that i think uses an an engine similar to enter the matrix it looks very similar maybe a little bit more polished because they had more they they, they weren't weren't under the same sort of time pressures perhaps but that game if it follows the path of neo as the Yes, I had to say it. Um, but like, crucially, Enter the Matrix is very much side stories, all the stuff happening on the fringes of the films. And this is like basically the plot of the game, the plot of the film even. And But the at the end of the path of Neo, the which avatars of the Wachowskis pop on, like a pink one and a blue one. And... And they're, they're like pixels, aren't they're they? They're pixels. not physical. They're very much computer game characters. Yeah. They look like sort of Spectrum Jet Set Willy kind of exactly. versions. Mm-hmm. And again, I keep coming back to the word troll, but I mean that in a really positive way <laughs> because they say... it's really, I mean, I'm sure we're going to put a clip of it in here because they're just talking about how the end of our film is great for a film. And there's like a pregnant pause as if they themselves are being like, it was a shit ending, but anyway. Um, they then go and say, it wouldn't make a great game ending, so we thought it'd be great if you just fought a giant mega smith. And then you do. I think also specifically they say, the Jesus thing, it's kind of lame. Yeah. yeah. Lame. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's so, such a funny delivery and such a fun kind of like, yeah, like you can't really just sacrifice it yourself for the end of the game. You need something. And uh, then, and also... like, the Sorry. fucking credits music of that game <laughs> yeah. is We Are the Champions by Queen. <laughs> which, like, <laughs> I don't think... I mean, obviously, there's great music, for sure, brilliant music in the Matrix films. But Dracula. This... They could have done Dracula for the, for the end. <laughs> it's just like a crazy left-field needle, needle drop, which I just never got in those films. So... Yeah, like, I think I would have laughed the tits off if I'd played that um, video game. Hi, I'm Andy Wachowski. And I'm Larry Wachowski. Or rather, these are the digital projections of our mental selves. First of all, congrats on reaching the final stage of this game. You kick ass. Yes, we salute your excellence on the gaming field. Now, the real reason we're here is to discuss the big problem we faced in turning these three movies into a video game. You see, at this point in the story, Neo stands on the verge of Satori, ready to resolve the paradox of choice and choicelessness, of free will versus fate, but that can only be achieved through an act of surrender, which occurs after he has abandoned the perspectival nature of truth, accepting the totality of present consciousness, which ultimately allows an evolutionary transition, transcending the Cartesian dilemma through the emergence of delimited spirit, which then provides the world with a choice of a third path, the path of the path of peace. You promised you wouldn't do that. Shit. Sorry. I think what my brother is trying to say is, at this point, it's martyr time. 
Now, maybe that works in a movie, but in a video game, the Jesus thing is, well, lame. Really lame. If you're like us, then right now you're ready for 15 minutes of sweaty-palmed, button-pushing action to kick the crap out of some big badass boss. So we suggested to the Chinese that we change the ending. We thought it would be cool after Smith rose up screaming, It's my world! The other Smiths jumped onto emerging into one massive monster, monster Smith. So if you're ready, it's time for a little Hulk versus Galactus action. Good luck! You'll need it. And enjoy enlightenment! <laughs> 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 but it's um very interesting i guess that the resurrections film bizarrely posits that the matrix trilogy that we know and love to to varying degrees um was actually a game in the world of that film i think i heard i think i didn't hadn't seen the film yet but i saw a tweet saying the Matrix Resurrections is the Gremlins 2 of the Matrix <laughs> franchise. And I was like, oh, I am here for this. But going back to Matrix video games... Um... Well, I think just in terms of Enter the Matrix, I think it's sort of fascinating as a product of something which is very much like this is part of the same... This is almost on the equal level of the sequels, like how they kind of marketed it and how they sort of like view it as being this is just like another episode and should be sort of placed on the same kind of level to an extent but yeah it is very wonky and i think playing it i remember at the time yeah just everything's like really dark and gloomy and overly green and it's just really not a very enjoyable play experience and it's just funny how matt Payne offered far better like bullet time action than the actual official Matrix game and, you know, something like Mirror's Edge, like, lived up in terms of having, you know, very sort of flowing and moving kind of, like, combat. And this is just, like, a very kind of awkward mix of those things. And even the driving sections are just really abominable as well. The early Um, 2000s, full of driving sections (laughs) of no place to be. I I think as well, one of the recent games, I think, that gives you the feeling of the Matrix is super hot. Where yes. the whole idea of you know when you you move everyone else moves but otherwise it's slow motion it really does give you the feeling of this is how Neo sees the world everyone's moving really slow so I can plan out all of my attacks in in minute detail and feel like I'm just absolutely owning everyone in this room. Mm. Um, I, I think as well one of the problems that afflicts both Enter the Matrix and Path of Neo and uh, Harry, you kind of alluded to those. They're just not very graceful, and I think that's one of the things that is missing that the action in the Matrix films has, or the first three at least, is they feel very graceful, they feel very considered, and I just think about you know the wall running in Enter the Matrix, where you're running on a wall, but then it's really hard to point your gun, so you yeah. just end up shooting at nothing, <laughs> when you should feel like you're, you're doing something incredible and wonderful, and a lot of games have since improved on that, you know, like the wall running in Titanfall, or even something like Breath of the Wild, where, you know, you pull your bow and arrow out when you're up in the air, and everything mm. slows down, and you can have that moment. I thought it was funny how Rory mentioned Mirror's Edge, because you only get a good flow like once every 10,000 failures. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's always stopped starting falling off cliffs and stuff. I think Enter the Matrix, it, as you said, like maybe a remaster would be uh, a really sort of fascinating idea. But um, going back to it, 
it hasn't sort of improved with age maybe or i don't think it's sort of ripe for reevaluation maybe like the other sort of matrix um projects at the time on may 15th you're here the next evolution of interactive entertainment has you let's go Enter the virtual world of the Matrix. A parallel universe to the Matrix Reloaded. Actions that take place in the game that you move through and play affect the film plot. Packed with one hour of exclusive footage. In the video game, there's certain information that you don't get from the movie. Written and directed by Larry and Andy Wachowski, the creators of the Matrix trilogy. It's a very special key meant only for the one. Will you bring it to him? What does it unlock? The future. If we fail, Neo fails, and that cannot happen at any cost. Battle alongside the original motion picture cast. Niobe, please be careful. As careful as I can be. On a mission that comes down to one question. So are you red or blue on this? In the war to save Zion, what part will you play? The only other major game from... So, like, the Matrix films, they came and went. And I think the general... No, I, I think only the most obsessed person would have been, like this was majorly satisfying and I got everything I wanted from the Matrix films. Mm-hmm. Like I say, like mm. I think they seem better now in like a historical concept and, and kind of more understanding what the Wachowskis wanted. Um, and I guess as we're older now, we realize, Oh no, we should celebrate auteurs more than, you know, than what the studio wants. But a few years later, the most massively multiplayer online game, the Matrix Online. I was just trying to think of the name, but it really is that simple. The Matrix Online mm. came out, which is was a canon. Was the and I hate the word canon. I get very annoyed by uh, talking about talking about Star Trek for a, as I was a moment before. It's so boring speaking about canon, but this was like a canon story set in the world of the Matrix, and I didn't really have the technology at the time to play that. Did you play it, Ed? Uh, I didn't play it. I was never really big into MMOs, but um, in preparation for this, I did watch uh, Giant Bomb years ago. They did a video series called Not Like This, which was <laughs> uh, for the five weeks leading up to the game's servers going down, because the mm. game launched in 2005, I think was sort of okay to begin with, but by like four years later, it had like 500 regular users or something like that. It it become an MO. Instead, as right. an and so I watched that in preparation because they played through it for like the five weeks leading up to it, essentially to document this was what the Matrix mm. Online was for people. Um, and I'd recommend that series; it's very, very funny, especially because around episode four, the uh, community get really mad at them for playing it. So every time they load into the game, people kill them instantly <laughs> um, for making fun of. Well, and they're doing it in good humor, I think, but it's very, it's very, very funny. But. Um, that game, watching that and then reading up about it, I think that game encapsulates a lot of what I respond to in all of the post-first Matrix stuff, which is that it's all very flawed, but it's all very ambitious. Like, yes. um, 
I think this also, even the Path of Neo, which seems like it's going to be very straightforward, like it has loads of extra stuff in it, like that there's loads of extra training levels in that where like Neo and Trinity are in feudal Japan and they have to fight ghosts. Mm. Um, there's a sequence where between Matrix 1 and Matrix 2 where uh, Neo falls through a, a, a glitch in the Matrix and ends up in a kind of purgatory where he's walking through a train that never ends, which is really strange. Um, mm. And then there's a bit during the Seraph fight where he and Seraph punch through the wall and then they're in a movie theater and then the scene from the movie is playing in the background whilst they're fighting, which um, is interesting considering that that idea is then redone in Resurrections. Um, <laughs> Another hilarious thing about Resurrections is like, um, so like when it was announced Lawrence Fishburne wasn't going to be in it, and then mm. the, the usual rumor mill starts, like maybe he is in it. And when everyone mm. asks him, hey, Lawrence, you're in this film. And Lawrence is like, nah, I've not, I've not even been talked talked to. You think, I know what you, I know what's really happening. And A, he's not. And then everyone points to Morpheus dying in this Matrix online video game. And I saw the cutscene of it. And because it's kind of, when did this game come out, did you say? 2005 so same year as um, path of neo so it's not a pretty game and you just got mm. this weird ghost glitchy thing kind of i don't know frolicking out of a letterbox or something and then shoot, <laughs> shoot, shooting morpheus with a gun and, and yeah. you know after surviving how don't know how many bullets and all that stuff it's it's it kind of reminds you of like the wire when like a major character just sort of bizarrely dies i'm not going to say who but you're like mm. fuck this is how he gets taken out like a punk and yeah. um again that seems to in the matrix we find out in the matrix reservations what actually happened was i think there was enough there's another robot civil war or there's a civil war against machines who want to help the humans yeah. and machines who don't and one thing i loved i mean this is what i like about latter star star wars content in a way because it legitimizes some of the complaints and problems we might have had with the prequels and so I like. I was really worried that the Resurrections film would sort of say, "Oh no, the machines are now back to how they used to be." But I love seeing the relationship between humans and and some machines in the Resurrections. It turns out that Morpheus died in like another uprising, which is kind of sucky. But at least, do 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 two cannons exist? Then was he shot like a punk in the Matrix? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of, I guess that it, I, I was kind of um, excited about the notion that it would just be the Matrix Online explanation for it. In fact, we, we did an episode of Shot Reverse Shot where it was like just a news episode because loads of stuff had happened. And I titled it, um, The Matrix Online is Canon, just because like it had been revealed that Yaha... Um, Abdul Mateen II was playing Morpheus and I got really excited about the notion like oh my god they're just really digging into all the weird stuff to kind of justify Mm. the existence of this movie Um, but um, I think again to get back to the ambitions of it I think it's really interesting to think about what they really tried to do with the Matrix Online which was to extend that story and a lot of it is is what you were saying about the relationship between the humans and the machines because the basic premise of the Matrix Online is it picks up immediately after the sequels and there's an uneasy truce between the machines represented still by the 
the agents and humanity and then humanity kind of splits into different factions there's some people who want to just go back into the matrix there's some people who want to keep fighting the machine there's a merovingian faction who are just kind of causing shit <laughs> to go wrong everywhere and i'm so glad really I re- i'm sorry i'm so glad i rewatched those matrix sequels because the merovingian shows up in resurrections <laughs> shouting like a hobo with a beard i'm like if i wasn't really au fait and i'm sure a lot of the audience with me watching resurrections like what is this random beardy frenchman shouting at them from a covid safe distance Mm. Um, and yeah and his dialogue also you have to have the subtitles on it's so hard to tell what he's screaming about during that sequence um sorry but there's a merovingian faction in the matrix online you're saying yeah and so so much of the story beats like they had i think like nine acts or nine chapters that they had planned out and actually happened before they decided to close the servers and so much of it is about navigating the different factions and how they're warring with each other and how at various times different ones are on top and then there's like um a character called the general who is a machine that wants to keep waging the war and who is represented in the game by you know an avatar there's the assassin who kills uh morpheus and yeah i think again it kind of gets back to that idea which encompasses so much of the matrix media it's trying to do a lot of things it's not really succeeding at them but i think (laughs) as as i've gotten older but also as i think the kind of big budget entertainment that gets made has become increasingly safer and doesn't take as many risks Mm. i really appreciate that this period of sort of four years or so between the sequels coming out and the or six years between the sequels coming out and the matrix online going offline was really characterized by the wachowski saying okay how much stuff can we do with the capital that we now have and how many weird things can we do and yeah whether or not they're successful is less important to me than the fact that they actually tried a lot of really strange things yeah because the way they kind of like build matrix online was that they sort of guided the story but as it was the continuing story in a way they were like gifting the future of the matrix to the players you know they i think they sort of expressly said like you know the gamers are now get to inherit the matrix and like you know one could see that as being over like hands off and that's like really lazy <laughs> but i think mm. actually no genuinely they were like no we want to see how people shape the matrix you know in in that respect and like in a way the matrix online becomes a sort of test bed as to that kind of plot like you know if there's all these different factions who would the gamers decide to go with and then lead the story in a way themselves and create it in this um sort of online sandbox sort of thing so yeah again it sort of speaks to their um their idea as to what the matrix is and you know what how they see the uh, legacy of it too i think also it's just another example of people trying their hardest to try and translate the appeal of the matrix into mechanics and it not quite working because obviously mmos you can't have everyone just doing bullet time all the time it would just not work (laughs) Um, and so what they kind of do is they have, you know, like you assign commands to it. So like fight and hack, which is their equivalent of doing spells in, you know, Warcraft or whatever. And, uh, it's not as from, you know, watching these giant bomb videos, it doesn't seem like it would be very satisfying if you wanted to recreate the experience of being in the matrix, but at least, you know, it was interesting to see someone take a good, honest stab at that and thinking, how can we take this graceful, kinetic style and try and translate it into something that can't really handle that 
Yeah, there's that funny bit. It always sticks to my mind in actually the first Matrix movie when the whole famous bullet time bit when Neo's leaning backwards and the agent's shooting at him and all the bullets are going between his arms and his legs. And ooh, that was close. Mm. <laughs> um, and then Trinity says, I've never seen anyone move that fast. And it's that thing where your brain understands, but I don't know, your heart is like, but he was moving really slow. <laughs> I don't get it. But also, like everyone says, when Trinity holds a gun to the agent's head and says, "Dodge this," gives him, giving him. I mean, this guy can dodge a bullet, but he he just, I don't know, he just stands there and lets himself be shot. I don't know. I'm nitpicking. That's a good line. It's a, it's a good line. line. Yeah, maybe his, <laughs> the last thought which went through his head was, "That's a badass line." <laughs> yeah, I think that's a moment where like coolness like trumps logic, and yeah. you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. you've got to do a little bit. More cool than than that. Um, the agent's like, I'll allow it. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> I think this like maybe is a good time then to sort of bring us to present day or thereabouts. And I think Peak what's sort of, of our in... human error, twenty twenty two. Our phones still don't look as cool as those flip up phones everyone wanted. Yeah. Did you didn't you did you have any of those phones, Ed? No, I just had like a Nokia. Yeah, um, I they made those yeah. specially. I think they made those specially designed phones for the Matrix Reloaded, which looked like properly like something out of Star Trek. But you could buy those for real, and they are famously terrible phones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, modern day then with our smartphone tech and the Matrix Awakens. Mm, yeah. yeah. So The Matrix Awakens is, again, I think because everyone knew that when Matrix 4 was announced and then they revealed it's Matrix Resurrections, but it was really kind of secretive. And it was only, I think, you know, maybe about six months or so before release that we even got like a trailer or a hint as to what the film was sort of looked like. And Mm. I think, you know, the finished product is maybe not what anyone quite expected but i think it makes perfect sense as to you know when you see it you then like oh yeah okay i get it like pretty quick um into it but even sort of part of that with the sort of marketing material was the matrix awakens which is this interactive experience slash tech demo showing off unreal engine 5 and the really sort of fascinating thing about it is that it's it's almost sort of a tease in terms of like the level of almost trolling um that the resurrections <laughs> would have because you have these digitally you know very nicely detailed created versions of keanu reeves and carrie Anne moss both as neo and trinity but also playing themselves um walking through aspects of the original movies and in the kind of like white space, uh, what's it called in the, the construct? Film? The construct, yeah. Um, but then you know they find themselves in this Unreal Engine kind of tech demo, and they're sort of again sort of like saying that like all this theor- theoretical mumbo jumbo is fine, but people just want some sexy action. <laughs> <laughs> and Neo's like sort of who's they, and, and Trinity's like yeah, the marketing people. And mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. they're sort of just talking about how they're sort of 
going through all these sort of promotional corporate hurdles in order to kind of deliver this product or this of this project and you know basically just like a big advert and it's clear like seeing resurrections that i think like unreal is sort of thanked and they use sort of unreal engine i guess in some of the stuff that they did but it's also just there was a very good interview with keanu reeves and carrie ann moss done by the verge this video interview where they're talking about the matrix awakens and and what it is and they're sort of talking about all these wide-ranging topics. And I think it sort of went viral because there's this bit where Keanu Reeves just like openly laughs at NFTs um, mm, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sort of being able to save them. But he also gets like really excited about VR porn and the potential that it has as well. <laughs> <laughs> he just like goes off on one. Oh, uh, so. Does anyone mind? I'll just open my phone <laughs> right now. Um, and it's interesting, again, like just you know, Keanu Reeves is the persona and how he's become sort of, you know, I think everyone's had like a huge amount of affection for him. And you look back at his career and just how he has been in at least sort of four groundbreaking, like action films in Point Break, Speed, The Matrix and 47 Ronin. No, i sorry. I mean, John Wick. <laughs> um, but um, do about nothing. <laughs> you know, well, I did spend a large portion of The Matrix Resurrections thinking, I'm so glad he didn't shave his beard for this because he looked weird in Bill and Ted face the music. I, oh yeah, I like I yeah, like old Keanu Reeves, Reeves of that beard, please. Um, and yeah, just like how you know him doing the cyberpunk twenty seven seven presentation, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the whole your breathtaking thing. It's interesting, like with that interview in relation to the Matrix Awakens, it's meant to be this sort of promotional marketing tool, but you can sort of tell from like the way he and Karen Moss are sort of talking about things that they share the same kind of disdain that, you know, the Wachowskis have for having to kind of like do these promotional bits and pieces. Like they're sort of fascinated with the idea, but they're quite enjoying playing with the expectations, but also it's just like, they're not afraid to like just not tow the company line if they, (laughs) um, and they're sort of paymasters. It shows the sort of like, and I think like part of the success of the Resurrections is that it is this kind of reunion and it shows the affection that they have. And the reason they came back is because of Lana Wachowski. You know, it's it's not because yeah. of the money. It's not because of, you know, the fame or whatever. They didn't have to do this, but it's because of the people behind it and the fact that it sort of reunites a lot of the kind of creative team and just how much they're sort of, want to return to that because of the, you know, the human connection that they have. Hi, I'm Keanu Reeves. Over 20 years ago, I first played the character Thomas Anderson in the Matrix trilogy. Those films pioneered digital cinema with shots like bullet time. Back then, we talked a lot about where the digital age might take cinema and narrative. In an industry where actors have tried to remain perpetually young, we wondered about digital faces that could become immortal. Hi, I'm Carrie Ann Moss, and I played Trinity in the Matrix films. 20 years ago, we asked ourselves how long it would be before faces and bodies could be changed as easily as we change clothes. We wondered, what would identity mean in a completely digital world? And what would reality mean when a world we can build 
feels as real as our own. mumbo-jumbo, but they needed some sexy action. Who said? The marketing people. Marketing? I thought we were supposed to have total creative control. <laughs> Welcome to the Matrix. But uh, did you play the Matrix Awakens? I did not. So you might need to explain exactly what it is, because you said it was like a tech demo for the Unreal Engine, but I think it's sort of it progresses sort of not, thing. Not much. Basically, the opening part of it, I think, is is kind of a recreation of some of the driving le- le- uh, driving levels from Enter the Matrix, essentially, where you're in a car and you're shooting and agents are jumping on you. But once that ends, it is really just like a genuinely, amazingly well-realized city. And that's kind of it. You can drive cars and you can fly around and stuff. But that's more or less it, which is a shame, really. I... I was like looking up about it before uh recording because i played it when it first came out and just to see it and i really wanted there to be like reddit threads of people thinking like oh there's all this like secret stuff hidden in it or something that you could uncover but really it's it's a very impressive tech demo but unfortunately there's not a huge amount more to it which is a shame it was pity there's not there's not like there's not a t-rex doing a walking cycle in the middle of the square and you can like walk around it like you're on a playstation one like, ooh, Suddenly, oh, 120, 128 little Mario's just like appear. And... <laughs> oh um, it's selling, obviously, this amazingly detailed and rich world that's created. But then, ultimately, the gameplay is just like a shooting gallery sort of stuff. And it's like games haven't progressed much since like Virtua Cop, effectively, in terms of like <laughs> you know, it's very beautiful. Like the effects when you shoot out the tires and the car flips over. Um, but it's it's literally just move control stick, hover over circle, and press the trigger. And well, yeah. again, I think this also highlights the same problem Enter the Matrix has because I'm sure this tech demo had a very short run lead time, and they probably took a mm. lot of elements they already had and just made them as beautiful as they can and matrixy as they can. You know, so I, I don't know if there's going to be any future Matrix games. I don't know if there's going to be any future Matrix content. But I feel, again, you can never say never. I'm sure we're going to hear in a year's time there's going to be a Matrix TV show. There's a lot of pretty... There's a Blade Runner movie... Sorry, a Blade Runner TV show and an Alien TV show being made right now. So Mm, you never know, do you? But um, I guess... I'm really hoping for a 1492 Conquest TV show. (laughs) If they're going for all of the Ridley Scott movies. 1493. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, I mean, we've, we've dipped in and out a bit, but talking about the Matrix Resurrections, I mean, we were going to talk about this anyway in the context of the Matrix franchise and its video game, uh, nods, but a a chunk of the film is about video game development because, so again, the Matrix Resurrections starts with what seems like an off-kilter copy of the start of Matrix 1999, the original. And then we find out that this is all actually within... Um, what, what is the expression they use? It's something that Thomas Anderson has designed. It is a... 
puzzled looks. They 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 use. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like so just, since I watched it. It's like a simulation within. Yeah, yeah he's in order he's to like allow. Yeah, no pocket universe. Yeah, I'm to just, allow to sort of like allow the characters to go in a sort of loop, so they can like build up their skills. It's basically like a kind of you know first level in RPG where you just sort of grind and grind and grind until you get enough sort of experience points to defeat the next boss or something. It's so funny because I. I I, re- I remember just hearing this expression in the film, thinking, like, oh, I really need to remember what that is. But <laughs> module, I think. Yes. Modal. Yeah, modal. Modal. Yes. Brilliant. Ah, oh, I got it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, hey, guess what? Neo, who died in the last film, he's alive. And um, he's just living. He's a video game designer. And apparently, the Matrix trilogy was a series of photorealistic realistic video games and i think this is like a gimme i think perhaps it would because i guess if he was if he if they were to say that the matrix trilogy were films then then you got actual actors you know what i mean it's like hey keanu reeves now he's a film he you know it, that doesn't work you know so we had to think well what what, what what's a virtual world let's make a video game and so uh, yeah, I do wonder in this version of the Matrix that he now finds himself in, what games are like, like in general. Like, do they all look like this? Mm. I like to think that actually they're just like FMV adventures. It's like kind of I don't know, Night Trap or <laughs> sort of Phantasmagoria or something like that, where you know all the clips that we're seeing are just yeah, like Enter the Matrix. They're just cutscenes, and then you sort of actually see what happens and it's all these kind of like janky blocky polygon people um yeah every game is minecraft in the <laughs> universe so 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 thomas anderson he's he's with his therapist uh his analyst and he's we they allude to him having a breakdown where he could read a stern between reality and and the matrix video game um He's also kind of got the hots for um, Carrie-Anne Moss. I can't remember what her name was in this film. Is it Anne? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a play on Trinity. Tr- Tiffany. Tiffany, yeah. And I think there's, a, he, there's an obnoxious um, game developer who works with uh, Thomas Anderson <laughs> who calls her, I think, MILF as fuck or MILF AF, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. And... But- also, what I enjoyed was the fact that Tiffany's husband is Chad, and not only is he a Chad, he is genuine Chad Starhesky, is that how you pronounce his name, who yeah. was obviously um, Keanu Reeves' stunt double in the original Matrix films, and obviously has since become like a, you know, action filmmaker with like John Wick, etc. But it, it's just like extra funny that like the surrogate husband in this is also like surrogate Keanu Reeves and is a literal like Chad and they do the kind of reverse of that because when Keanu Reeves looks in the mirror and he sees what he thinks he looks like in the real world the guy they use is Carrie Ann Moss's real husband no way really yeah well to represent a fat out of shape miserable (laughs) man (laughs) apparently so yeah wow yeah so there's lots of clever stuff happening there but I guess what I really Mm -hmm. want to talk about um, because of your experience in game development, there's Thomas Anderson. He's trying to work on this new type of game. Again, 
hey fans, it's a lot like Free Guy in that our main <laughs> character is a so we are, we are Free Guy stands in this podcast, um, and the main characters in Free Guy and in this film they wanted to make a sort of choice based new video game, but mm. then. Thomas Anderson is told that they're now going to make the Matrix 4. The, the suits have said it's going to be Matrix 4. And he finds himself now thrown into the Matrix again, a kind of against his will. You know, because, a, because it's, it's a problem for his um, mental health. But I guess this is kind of reflecting what the Wachowskis feel. Like they're being f- told this is going to happen with or without them. And sorry, in a roundabout way, uh, Ed, I just kind of want to know the the game development section of this film how truthful did that feel do you actually have a a brief appearance from christina ritchie <laughs> for some yeah, reason free matt Agaman. yeah she's always showing up that's um, funny i i spent the second half of that film trying to spot Freemaker Agaman in in like on the spaceship and things so then i remembered oh no she was she was not part of the Rebels. She was... Uh... She was an employee of Deus Machina Games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which also, I guess, because she's in Sense8 as well. She is. So, like, that kind of gives, again, again, with the Chad Stahelski thing, it really all adds to that sense of a reunion, like, so many people that... Uh, and through Christina Ricci as well, obviously, because she's in Speed Racer. Like, there's such a sense of uh, Lana Wachowski bringing the whole family in mm-hmm. uh, for this one last go. Um, yeah, I think... It's it obviously it depends on studio to studio like the, the the company that I currently work for there aren't really that kind of auteurs in the way that um, Reeves is clearly that Neo is clearly meant to be at this company um, it's very but there are yeah there's obviously game directors who will get everyone together for a meeting and talk about what they want to do with this year's title or you know our plans for our coming up date and you do have a lot of instances where. Obviously not now because we're all working from home but back when we were in an office there were lots of see uh moments where you would like go into a meeting room and everyone would just like throw out ideas for what you want to do so like i think it does a good job of kind of getting across the atmosphere though obviously you know i think the the model for uh what neo is and that is kind of like a hideo kojima figure like someone who is a genuine auteur in the video game industry who would have that level of direct control over the work that they're doing and presumably has lots of models of their own characters on their desk. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's also interesting that like, again, the, the, how this sort of pans out is that in this version of the matrix, cause they're in a new version of the matrix and the kind of agent Smith in this version of the matrix isn't your recognizable Hugo Weaving, but it sort of makes sense in the context that he's this like sleazy corporate money man who's again the sort of financial investor in his company and and um I was just looking back at uh, what Christina Ritchie says. It's got one of the best lines of the film where she says, uh, the packet in front of you has our focus group research. Inside you'll find the breakdown, including key word association with the brand, the top two being originality and fresh, which I think are great things <laughs> to keep in mind as you begin work- working on Matrix 4. And who knows yeah. how many more? Um, yeah, that definitely... A lot of a handful of marketing meetings I have ever sat in, they all they all feel like that. 
<laughs> I've seen I've seen I've worked for companies where they do where the advertising people they say all the thought which went into this and I'm just watching it thinking the people on watching this on telly aren't going to know that maybe they're not going to give a crap <laughs> I think like we've seen quite a lot of meta and self-referential films like particularly in sort of recent years where it is sort of playing around with its sort of legacy and I think but I think if any film franchise has like earned it as much as any of them it is it is the matrix and i i i think that sort of that whole montage sequence all set to white rabbit where it is all these kind of meetings and you have like the shot of piano reeves in the bath with the rubber duck on his head and all this kind of thing eating um, a steak as well but it's like not a very mm-hmm. succulent steak it's yeah i think it's just like it's it's like the moment in the film where it's just like, okay, yeah, I really get what this is, what this is doing and what it's saying. And it's sort of like pivotal to the sort of, um, yeah, the reason why this film exists. And you can, you could say like to an extent, it sort of has its cake and eats it. It sort of reminded me a little bit of um, almost like adaptation or something where it's all mm. about like, mm. you know, trying to sort of zhuzh up the action and all this sort of thing. But it gives you this sort of 40 minute sort of entry point where it's just like we're not going to give you what you want we're gonna not gonna give you like um and we're gonna like literally sort of talk about how the things that you want are like ridiculous and stupid um Mm. and then actually sort of like deliver that but with a kind of more of a sort of sincerity and earnestness um yeah as you said i mean playing devil's advocate you know, I do. My heart does go out to the people though who are not getting the wicked call cool action and stuff. But there was a sense, especially when you see Keanu Reeves kicking ass in all John Wick films, it's very much like, no, he can do this though. <laughs> Why is he force pushing yeah. everyone? Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, the action is still mostly shite, um, and also it's like. I mean, we, we've, I think we've revealed ourselves to be kind of people who appreciate the long architect speak at the end of um, Reloaded, and they sort of double down on it in Resurrections, where you've got uh, the analysts played by, um, I've forgotten his name for a moment. Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris, who, again, my friend would say, he's not a particularly menacing man, really, but he's the guy who turns out to have designed this new Matrix, which I think only houses Neo and Trinity because there's something intrinsic about their relationship which can power the machines better than loads and loads of humans plugged in. But he's basically monologuing about his evil plan while bullets slowly heads towards Trinity joking about bullet time hey everyone loves bullet time so let's have a very long speech while bullet time is happening and again even as i talk about it i'm convincing myself that's genius but i can think perhaps if you haven't clicked with it you're like when will he stop talking Hmm. Um, i actually found like but i i actually found like this was quite yeah philosophical mumbo jumbo stuff was actually far reduced in this film and was easier to track and i actually didn't mind it so much i thought like no i didn't mind it but i think maybe a lot of people was like oh you said you mentioned the phrase course correction earlier i think perhaps people were being were hoping let's just have some cool action i don't want to think about anything (laughs) they didn't get what they wanted 
it definitely feels like a sequel to the sequels and not kind of like a sequel to the matrix if that makes sense but it's very much them uh, uh, it's very much lana wachowski saying the, the stuff that i like about the second and third movies is the stuff that everyone hates so i'm just gonna do more of that stuff <laughs> yeah. uh and i could understand why some people would find that not particularly satisfying but i, I definitely came away from it really enjoying it and i think in terms of the philosophical stuff one of the things about it that i think works really nicely is that it does feel a little more grounded in the experience that everyone has because now everyone's online so mm-hmm. all the speech that you know that the analyst is giving where he's talking about how the old versions of the matrix were just about trying to create life as a more or less normal existence now this new one is is powered by conflict and mm. it very much feels as if Blan Wachowski is looking at the way the internet has changed since 1999 and saying, yeah, it does seem like everyone's really angry and it's really noisy in a way that it wasn't when it was the purview of people like Neo in the first movie, you know, kind of elite hackers who are uh, just kind of busying away in their own private little world. Now that everyone's online, like it, the internet is very different. And I really appreciate that it, in terms of the film, not just being returning to a familiar thing, but, genuinely saying how has this stuff changed in the last 22 years or 20 yeah 22 years yeah like i said i didn't want the film to like wipe to like retcon what had gone before and it didn't Mm -hmm. um i was also it's just playful there's um i love the bit i mean i think you genuinely believe that neo's losing his mind and when like a version of morpheus walks out of a toilet stall and like it's like it was just really funny, and then mm. uh, so, and he comments on his outfit as well. Yeah, he? Just kind of like about and really flashy. There's a bit when, like, I don't know, um, Keanu Reeves doesn't seem to be an actor who goes big a lot, or maybe not, maybe not in the Matrix trilogy. And so, but when he's waggling his finger at Morpheus and is going, "No, no, 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 you can't be here," <laughs> I love it. It's really funny. Uh, it was really yeah. goofy. Um, it was definitely, I think, like the film, and I think like a lot of Wachowski's output is is very endearingly dorky in in many respects. Especially the final shots, like mm. hand in hand, talking, going to make rainbows and and things. I don't know. I don't think that. How would you? Again, they're not trying to make sequel bait, are they? It's just like this might be the end, and it's but it's yeah. really goofy, as you say. All the explanation you need. Um, no. No, 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 no. Whoa, no. whoa, what do you mean, no? You wanted this, you did this, this was your idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a test, an experiment. An experiment? You put me in a tiny motor, left me to bang my head till I nearly lost my searching for you as an experiment. The exit's breaking down. He hasn't taken the pill. What? There's no time. I know, I know, he's, he's having a moment. Does he know how hard it was to hack that mirror? Still open. This, this can't be real. And I, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's funny that there is this sort of like lawsuit and how like it's bots of us takings might impact on future Matrix movies. And I sort of feel like, I'm not sure anyone wants to make a Matrix 5 based on this. Like, I can see where it might go to an extent, but this feels very much like like an epilogue, 
sort of like thing. This is just like a sort of victory lap to like sort of demonstrate that, yeah, we've been thinking about the matrix and, but this is like our thoughts on that and what it means. And, and um, yeah. It's kind of funny because we mentioned the end of the path of Neo where the directors step on board and say, we're going to just change the ending just because we can. I mean, this film does the sort of cardinal sin of legacy sequels in that it does resurrect the heroes, kind of thereby undoing their sort of selfless sacrifice. But as we've been saying, it's done with such affection and sort of such glee. And so I think knowingly, they they know that, uh, like Lana Wachowski knows she's doing this. You can't begrudge it, really. Or maybe it's just that I've seen so many legacy sequels now that it's it's lost all meaning. Like (laughs) anything, you know, there's going to be Star Wars, the next sequel trilogy where we meet Daisy Ridley, where she's lost all her lost all her joy de vivre and she's like oh look it's like the second order is here now and they're gonna <laughs> oh dear milk oh, geez <laughs> um yeah it definitely feels like the resurrections is not trying to give the audience what they want in a way that feels very different to a lot of those legacy sequels like it doesn't feel like a lazy retread or like Lana Wachowski has sat with the focus groups and said, oh, what's the things that everyone likes in the matrix? Let's just do that again. Um, I think, you know, there's been all this talk on Twitter the last couple of days. I don't know how serious, but like people talking about trying to reclaim the Hobbit trilogy. <laughs> yeah. I've and, seen that. Uh, a lot of people just being like, no, no, we can't. And this it feels in some ways like the exact opposite of the Hobbit trilogy, even though it kind of comes from the same place of, um, a contractual obligation where Peter Jackson basically had to step in and just make those movies and clearly had a terrible time doing it. Like here, Lana Wachowski could have said, no, I don't want to do it and let Warner Brothers, you know, do whatever they would have done and make, you know, whatever lazy fourth Matrix movie they would have made. But instead she said, okay, sure, I'll make it, but I'm going to make whatever I want it to be and it's going to be my film. And that yeah, I just find that so, so in, like you say, endearing. There's something very endearing about the fact that she is incapable of being someone other than who she is. And I th- the thing which also reminded me as much as anything was the season of Curb Your Enthusiasm with the Seinfeld reunion. It just kind of seems oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, we're not going to give you a Seinfeld reunion, but through <laughs> the prism of Curb Your Enthusiasm, you'll get glimpses of table readings and you'll get a little scene here and there of like what this you know Seinfeld reunion would have been but instead you're gonna get something like completely you know in keeping with it because obviously it's Kirby Enthusiasm Larry David but something else entirely so I never thought I would think that a Matrix film could be like Kirby Enthusiasm but (laughs) I think it's sort of um that's what it sort of uh reminded me of quite a bit it should have ended with the um, iconic kirby enthusiasm music like yeah maybe the camera s- spins around to a virtual cinematic audience like where hulk hogan is there like in gremlins 2 but then the kirby <laughs> enthusiasm music starts <laughs> or it's just uh, morpheus giving the red pill and the blue pill and it cuts to larry david in the likes of palestinian <laughs> chicken episode going eh, eh, eh. <laughs> or he grabs both pills and stops him in his face it's just mm. But I think we forget, like that red pill is actually it doesn't that doesn't open your mind. It's a tracking device, isn't it? So mm. anyway, I mean, 
I think wrapping up with the Matrix Resurrections again. I, I don't think it's perfect, but uh, yeah, I think we all agree it's nice to see somebody trying. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> yeah. that sounds like it's damning with faint praise. I think you put it better, Ed. It's like just try. You know, it it is a film. I don't know. I can't even prove. What am I trying to say? Repeat yourself, please. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, a movie that, like, yeah, like I said earlier, has real contempt for the Hollywood system that caused it to exist, but also like it it doesn't feel cynical in terms of how it treats its characters. So I think that to me is the the real key thing. Like it is a film that, you know, literally is about love conquering all, that is about that is also just like full of love and light and rainbows and all those sort of <laughs> things. But and you know it is, is that the it first film ends, doesn't it? It's yeah. just like it's about she know. I mean, when I was a ki- when I was a kid, when I was like I think I was fifteen or sixteen, when it came out, I was like, "Love saves the day." And then you look <laughs> at what the actual text is. It's not that love saves the day. It's that the one will be someone who Trinity falls in love with. Don't ask me how they fell in love in their short time together. <laughs> That's bleh. Something else. <laughs> but um... it's all the training missions that are in after Neo. <laughs> <laughs> and the world loves Keanu Reeves, so. You know, That's true. Eminently meanable, possibly immortal, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I think the success of the film as well is that like I liked the new recruits. Yes, mm-hmm. barely talked about. I liked it, all the performances. And I, I you know, I, I think it's funny in the year of Space Jam and New Legacy that you do have a character called Boats, like Bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I didn't know whether again that was like a Warner Brothers commentary did where maybe one of the she does say what's up doc as well oh does she i I think she does yeah when keanu is like they've got him out of the matrix and they've got him on the bed like she turns and says what's up doc like (laughs) when he needs to be in trouble which yeah definitely seems like again like the playful trolling that seems to undergird a lot of (laughs) the wachowski's matrix related work it's not the spaceship albuquerque that they're on or (laughs) (laughs) that would be great i don't know why spaceship acme for some reason (laughs) and again when i rewatched the matrix reloaded this is a complete segue but you got applaud how in the matrix reloaded there's a whole sequence talking about like a sexy erotic cake and the merovingian basically has encoded a cake to give a woman an orgasm across the room and then the matrix the camera flies right in between her legs and explodes in matrix codes i'm like how did this get released (laughs) and um so yeah i don't know how they keep making films i'm hoping that the wachowskis make another film together i think it's one of those things where you might not like everything they do but the world would be a poorer place if they weren't doing it so mm-hmm. yeah we'll we'll see what happens next with uh, the wachowskis and the matrix um what, how do we usually wrap up these podcasts we've only done like <laughs> well does anyone have anything else to add what happened to ghost who cares <laughs> <laughs> yes. i was just I was thrilled to see niobe yes like, niobe, niobe yeah. from enter the matrix <laughs> <laughs> it'd been great if so and what happened to ghost oh man you know, he got involved with QAnon, and then, <laughs> and then, I mean, yeah, the film and the resurrect. I think there was an interview where, in the Matrix Resurrections, they thought, "Are we going to talk about Red Pill and Q and all that sort of thing?" And they said, "No, just no. We'll we'll, we'll own it." And 
But I liked also how like the sort of agent Morpheus amalgamation character, he is very like blah, blah, blah about all the sort of like philosophy and dismissing the whole kind of like concept of pills and that kind of stuff. So it does seem like it's, it's not a sort of commentary on it, but it is sort of like, yeah, throwing it away a little bit and just like all these people who've made it again, part of their lives. It's just like, instantly sort of dismissing them and just like ah whatever you're not a real fan if that's all you take from it (laughs) yeah i think the only other thing i would add is i do appreciate that in enter the matrix and path of neo they both really dig into the merovingian stuff and particularly the idea that all of his um henchmen are like vampires actually that's i'm really (laughs) glad you brought this up because yeah well i'm trying to i mean it's like the Matrix is a world where werewolves and vampires exist, and that is like way down, <laughs> way down the ladder in terms of things people are interested in. And it's just absolutely crazy bonkers, and I love it. And you know, yeah. um, we're waiting to have like vampires introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know what I mean? I mean, not just I'm not just talking about um, Mobius. You know, Blade is going to show up, so that means vampires are a thing, and it's just. That feels like it's a big deal, but in the Matrix, whatever. <laughs> it's an offhand reference that they'll be like, ah, if you play the games, there's more of that. Sure, yeah. why not check it out? <laughs> so I love it. I mean, I would be, I'd love to see a Matrix prequel where it's called like the first Matrix, and like, do you, I think like Smith says, everyone was perfectly happy. Mm. They were also yeah. all vampires. <laughs> because <laughs> like everyone was like super happy vampires basically people lived twilight and it was brilliant mm. or it's like the first matrix and then it's just like footage from like castlevania yes <laughs> or maybe one of the earlier matrices everyone was french and that's why monica bellucci and um the guy who plays the merovingian who's not nearly as famous <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, it's just a totally french matrix le matrix and um well, that yeah. was what the Underworld franchise was. That was just vampires and werewolves oh, yeah. and Matrix light talking about, yeah, style. Talking about un- unintended consequences. <laughs> the marriage of Les- Len Wiseman and uh, Kate Beckinsale. That's, that's the Matrix's fault. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I think it's now to return to the real world. Or did I? Did I elude? I just don't know who's who in this. I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> Is there a world outside of podcasting? I don't know. Um, but thank you so much for joining us for our conversation, Ed. Um, do you have you anything me. to plug? Yeah, sure. So uh, I co-host the Shot Reverse Shot podcast with my friend Emily. Uh, we talk about a different television show or movie or just theme that changes from uh, week to week. Most recently, you know, the, the, we would have talked about the Oscars by the time that this comes out because those have just been announced. Uh, recently did episodes on... Um, uh, bad movies that we can't stop thinking about which is uh, a fun time uh, and yeah yeah it's a show we've been doing for about or i've been doing for about 10 years now uh and yeah it's, if you enjoy silly but and tangential conversations about film then uh, check it out cool and i definitely will because i'll be honest i've not, not heard that before so i will for sure i'll check it out so well that seemed really bizarre and condescending. I didn't mean that. I'm a long, I'm a long time. Yeah, listener, no, really, just... <laughs> really, really enjoyed your company today, and thank you for guiding um, this neo fight. See what you did there uh, <laughs> through the Matrix. Um, in the meantime, though, how could people keep in touch with Games on Film? 
You can find more information about the podcast and video game movies on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. All episodes of the podcast are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts. So do please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. We're on social media at gamesonfilmpod, where we regularly post news about video game movies, etc. And I'm myself on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. Uh, I'm at Edwin J. Davis, uh, Davis, D-A-V-I-E-S. And you can also contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And the music for this podcast was by David Lightfoot. Cool. Well, again, thank you very much for joining. It's, I can always get a little bit sad when we finish talking, because I've been living the Matrix really since December, and I guess I'll mm. get it on Blu-ray when it comes out and i'll share everyone and people will be like harry the major reservations is crap why are you showing me this thing <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know hopefully this won't be the very very last time we we play around in the matrix but until next time i've been harry i've been rory uh, i i've been ed take care bye 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 everybody bye